From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Doug, CEO of Hypernomics, Inc. Doug, it's so nice to have you on. Hi, Brad. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate the time that you've offered to me. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm excited for today's discussion. Doug, can you kick us off by telling me a bit about yourself as well as your company and who you guys are and what you're doing? Yeah, again, my name is Doug Howarth. That's H-O-W-A-R-T-H. After working 31 years at Lockheed towards the end of my career, after going out and watching my wife buy a washing machine, I realized she was working in a four-dimensional system, which I managed to envision. And then I raced off and quit my job and figured out how to plot in 4D with somebody else's program. And then we build our own program around that. And that's what we sell now is the ability to see markets in lots of different dimensions. I love that. So what's that story? I'd love to get into it around like the problem you saw and then what you've created and how it works and all that. Yeah, I got my degree in economics and economics, especially at the introductory level, is largely hypothetical. And I spent a lot of time doing real practical things with my time at Lockheed. And so I started to wonder, why do companies fail? Why do products fail? And I started to have this thought in my head. Then as I go back to the wife buying the washing machine, we went out one day and I saw that she was comparing the number of cycles the machine had to what we had at home. And then cycles were against price. So she has cycles in one dimension and price in another. So I said, well, that's two dimensions. Then she was looking at a machine. She says, I want a bigger bin than we have right now. So I thought about capacity. I go, that's capacity against price. So she's up to three dimensions. And then I saw the next machine up the line. And it was, you know, more expensive. I asked her, I said, what about this one? She says, we can't afford it. It's too expensive. And then I realized that we, along with everybody else that was buying washing machines, was part of a demand curve. So that was quantity against price. And then she'd actually formed a 4D system and she was doing all this math in her head, just juggling it around. And I said, there's got to be a relationship there. And it turns out that people form mathematically predictable relationships in markets that you can describe and then use to your benefit. And that's what we do. That's interesting. So how does it work? Can you explain the model and the dimensions and all. I know you got you have a physical model you're showing. Yeah, I have a physical model here behind me. This physical model has on the right hand side in red, as you see it, what amounts to a demand curve. You see these white points and you see that line there? Yeah. These white points are for the models of the electric car market in 2013. And they collectively form a demand curve here that is portrayed by this line, which we call a demand frontier. What's important about this, and this is actually a fundamental principle, is that trying to exceed this curve by going beyond it is often fraught with difficulties. And if you try to go beyond it too far, you're going to find that you can't because the market won't support you. And then over on this side, on this right-hand side, we have a plane that looks at the price relative to the horsepower in this direction and to the range in this direction that forms that these points collectively if you were to find that the best fit through and form this plane and so points that are below this plane may be underpriced which points are these would be miles and points above it may be overpriced 
And at the same time, this thing forms a map. It shows you where there's open spaces in the market. And so it turns out that all markets form a system like this and that the systems change over time. Sometimes they change very rapidly, and sometimes they change very slowly. And that what we try to do is to figure out what that looks like and then portray it for our customers so that they can find the, if they're making a new product, it finds the best space in the market to go to. They have an existing product, it'll tell them if it's overpriced or underpriced and how to adjust the prices based on other to other their products and everybody else's. Yeah, I think it's so important when we think about growing a company that we get the pricing right. And yes. you're using an example of a restaurant. Can you give me that example where you're going through some learnings there? And During COVID, as everybody had restrictions. So here in California, where I live, we had a, not, we had a restaurant that found itself having to serve outside for social distancing and for the health concerns. And I saw that they had a certain patio that was a given size, and they were trying to be able to accommodate everybody that came in. So they had several tables for six, several tables for four, and just a couple tables for two. And what I knew from going there is that they had more parties of one and two than they had parties of six. In fact, if you study it, it turns out that there's over twice as many parties of two going to restaurants as there are parties of four. So what I told them to do is I said, look, do you want to make some more money? They said, sure. These are actually people that are friends of ours, so we go there all the time. I said, what you need to do is you've got these tables for six that have one and two people at it. You need to have more tables for two and fewer tables of six and fewer tables of four. And so they rearranged the furniture, same patio space, and they were stacked out the door before and they were stacked out the door later when we saw the adjusted revenue, but the revenue went up 25% in two months, simply by applying a principle that you could discover with this, these hidden dimensions. So I've got a book coming out next January through Wiley called Hypernomics, using hidden dimensions to find to solve unseen problems. And so a lot of the problems that are in the market, in a market are people can't see. And the reason they can't see it is they haven't plotted it. If they could plot it, then they could solve it and they could be in a better position to make more money and not go bankrupt, things like that. If I remember right, you were talking, we were talking about LinkedIn and some of the content you create. You were talking yes. about another example with, I think an airplane manufacturer, if I remember oh, yeah, that. Was, I'd love to that hear that story. I've been following this aircraft manufacturer for years because I came out of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. So that's a big aerospace company. And there was this company out of Reno that was funded by a billionaire from Fort Worth called Arion. And they were trying to build a supersonic business jet. You know, the way engineers get about cool things is it's really cool. Therefore, it's got to sell. And so they posted their development cost, and I knew enough about how to find development costs, and it looked like it was pretty reasonable. So the cost, they checked off the cost okay. And they set a price, and in fact, I could find some equations that supported the price. In fact, it could have been a little bit higher. But then it came to the demand, like as I was showing you here before, where they had this outer boundary. And it turns out that they were way past their outer boundary. And so I wrote about it on LinkedIn. I said that the plane was worth every penny, but there weren't enough pennies in the world for the, the thing to be a success. Because there's only so many people have that amount of money to spend on a plane. And they got all angry. And, and a guy I knew from Lockheed, who was a, an EVP there, executive vice president, wrote me and said, 
oh, you just got this big order. And I said, it's all options and you're not going to make it. And then six months later, they went bankrupt. Now, in the process, they lost way over a billion dollars, none of which they had to do if they had just done this analysis beforehand, because this analysis showed that the demand curve was moving in their direction, but not fast enough for them to make the number of units that they needed to make a profit. So basically, the price of the product was right. Yes. But at that price point, not enough buyers existed in the world for it Precisely. to be profitable. Yeah, that's exactly right, Brad. That's exactly what happened. Very interesting. The same thing's going to happen to the Air Force. They're making a thing called the B-21 bomber. It's being built just about 50 miles from here in, in Palmdale, California. And there's a demand frontier that for the fighter bomber and attack aircraft that's moved only 2% in 25 years. And they are way beyond that point there. So they want to build 100. And I give them a chance to build 100, but that chance is about one in a million because they're way beyond what the market will support for that. And what the Air Force doesn't understand is they get their money from Congress, and so they're not free to do whatever they want. They have to, they're beholden to Congress. And so that's going to be a problem for them. It's very interesting. So if I'm an entrepreneur out there thinking about growing my company and thinking about pricing and demand and all this stuff, how can I think about this model? How would I use it? How would I run my own numbers through it, so to speak, and all that? It's relatively straightforward once you understand the process involves getting all the data that you can for your industry. So, for example, if you're making an electric car, as we were showing here, you gather all the data about making electric cars and you see how people respond for price relative to, say, horsepower and range. And what you would do then is you'd be looking for this in this plane over here. You'd be looking for open spots in the market where nobody's contending because if there's an open spot, then you don't have a direct competitor. It's like putting up a McDonald's next to a McDonald's. You don't do McDonald's right next to McDonald's because you got too much competition. You have to spread the McDonald's. You have to also spread your unique device, your product from everybody else's products so that you don't have direct competition. So this lets you find where the open space is and then price it appropriately and then figure out how much demand you would have. And so then it lets you adjust all these parameters based on the space that you want to try to take over. What's one thing you wish you had known before you became a CEO or started a company that you know now? I wish I knew how hard it was going to be. I've, it, it's taken a lot longer than I thought, and, and it's, it's giving me more frustration than I was anticipating. But I think we're on a brink now. So, If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? I would tell myself to hang in there, that despite the adversity, that it's going to be worthwhile. I basically drained all my 401k to fund this company, and it got to be a little worrisome, but things are, the tide is turning. I would tell myself just to hang in there. That's good. If you can offer one piece of advice for your industry or your customers as a whole, what would that be? You want to take a look at the markets more broadly than you have in the past. There are many groups in aerospace, automotive, other trades that concentrate on cost. There's a few more outfits that concentrate on demand. Not too many people concentrate on pricing or the value of a product, but what happens is these things become separated. What they need to do is they need to merge them together. We do that. You don't have to come to us, but you need to do it for yourself. You need to take the cost, the value, and the demand and look at them in, in a joint context to be able to get the whole picture. Absolutely. Doug, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining today and sharing all, right. all your wisdom. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being here. Thank you again for your time. Absolutely.